G'day, welcome to the Aussie Screen Printing Club. This is the inaugural episode. Thanks for joining us. Got a fun guest today in the form of Tyler Fort from uh, the T-Shack. And Tyler's really come to screen printing in a, in a totally different way to everyone else, um, it seems. And he's got some great business tips and great uh, experience to share with us. So thanks for tuning in again and enjoy the show. Too easy. Yeah. Welcome. Uh, thanks welcome to the inaugural aussie screen printing club it's really good to have you tyler um good to see you yeah, pretty relaxed up there it is quite relaxing compared to the hecticness that was geelong for the last few years i was <laughs> working seven days stupid hours there so oh wow okay um so you enjoying good. it up on the hill it's it's getting pretty cold i mean it was down to single figures the other night are you feeling it up there yeah. uh yeah i mean geelong's pretty cold too but um okay. uh it's the house is fairly well insulated so that's a good thing <laughs> yeah for sure yeah um yeah certainly certainly fresh and going to get a lot fresher i hear so that should be interesting to experience the snow <laughs> yeah the snow you'll definitely catch a bit of snow up there which is really nice mm. Okay, well, look, thanks so much for coming on the show, especially uh, Numero Uno. It's, uh, we know each other a little bit and uh, swap stories a little bit, but thanks a lot for coming on. Now, you've been in the industry for a long while, so can I take you right back to the beginning and uh, just ask you, you know, how did you get involved? How did you start screen printing? Was it a passion from the beginning or was it just something you fell into? How did it all happen? Okay, um, it's not, not a very um, interesting story but uh, the reality <laughs> is um i wasn't overly interested in school um although i did do graphics and art uh, i wasn't overly um creative i guess you'd say or or super interested in that it's just the other subjects in school i didn't have an interest in either so um i didn't really apply myself in school i wasn't wasn't overly interested i, I like joking around and um, girls are a bit more of interest to me than, um, yeah, than right. listening to teachers. <laughs> but anyways, so I, I had a job at a supermarket as a teenager and then uh, I worked as a glassy in a bar for a few months and also helped my cousin. Um, he made uh, hair, you know, shampoo, conditioner, styling products for, yeah, for right. um, hairdressers. Mine's full now. Yeah, right. But um, I worked for him briefly too until I stumbled across a screen printing job on, um, you know, government uh, employment agency Centrelink uh, back in must have been ninety eight, um, and I thought, oh, that could be interesting. So um, applied for the job. There was, I think, one or two other um, applicants, and one of the guys I went on to become friends with um just by chance and he mentioned that he applied for the job and he'd actually um done some a short course or something after high school uh yeah, regarding printing. so he was a little bit uh angry that i got the job in in the end <laughs> <laughs> with zero experience um but uh so yeah that's it, it wasn't exactly something i was passionate about i never actually did screen printing in school I speak to a lot of people that when they walk into my old shops, um, they'd say, oh, wow, what a setup, you know, this is great, you know, so interesting. 
Um, I said, oh, I did, I did screen printing in school once. I said, yeah, I never did. But um, so mm-hmm. I wasn't like, like that and then applied for a job. I just stumbled across the job. And, uh, and I've never really left it after 24 years. So although wow. it was maybe 10 years ago, um, for about 10 years, I've been printing rash vest predominantly for rip curl. That was um, wow. the majority of my workload. And that kept me very busy without having employees. So um, I didn't have a lot of time to do anything but work. You know, that was a seven day thing, 60 plus hours a week. Um, My partner at the time was helping a little um, and my mother was also helping sometimes. So family deal. Yeah, I sold off most of the big equipment and was going to try something different um, and took a little bit of time off and before long, people were emailing and calling and saying, you're not in the shed anymore. Or are you still screen printing? And I thought I need an income. So I worked from my garage yeah. for a little while and then built the business back up again until, you know, I had an automatic machine and a large tunnel dryer, a couple of manual machines, still only me being the only employee, sole trader. Um, I've never really had had a great, um, desire to employ people. I, I've been a bit nervous of it, I guess, because I've never done it and I didn't really want to be responsible for someone else's livelihood if yeah. I failed that. I get that. Um, mm. Yeah. So it was last year. Um, it was a good time to sell my house. Um, for sure. So I did that and uh, looked at a tree change. So yeah. scaled things back a bit, sold sold off my automatic carousel and I'm just working with a nice quality, you know, manual six by six machine, uh, Antec Legend. So that's a, a really interesting story, kind of like in a sense going going full circle, maybe. And we'll come back to that. But you know, to kind of step down and change your lifestyle and go back to a manual, it could be a lot of screen printers' dreams in a way because of the headache that comes when you start to kind of expand and go to an auto and everything. But when you first got that job or you got that first job, did you start on the press or did, were you just reclaiming screens or what did they no, put I, you I, into? I started on, on the automatic carousel loading. Oh, wow. Okay. Loading rush vests, yeah. Um, okay. And before long, you know, I was printing uh neoprene panels for wetsuits you know before they sew them up obviously printed um there weren't huge quantities but we were doing some of them for rip curl also for the first couple of years i was there uh but yeah straight straight into loading on an automatic um and because we were doing this you know there was three or four different designs for rip curl um per season uh we weren't going through a whole heap of screens because we didn't really have any other business besides oh, rip curl when okay. i started yeah, there right. so it wasn't you know we needed to sc- clean 50 100 screens a week my boss probably cleaned the five or ten that there was per week to do so that's, I was, a, that's yes. a what a gift to you know that's a, a another nightmare <laughs> yeah. isn't it in screen printing if you're kicking through you know like you say 50 or 100 screens somebody's got to re- uh, reclaim them and you know get that's them recoded right. as well um, depending yep. on how many screens you've got, you, you sometimes hear about shops that have got, you know, go through a thousand screens a day, obviously big, yeah, big warehouse yeah. printers and you think, wow. And they're still running it's a incredible. team before they move to like an Ecotex, you know, all clean system. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. To do that. Okay. So, uh, and how long did you stay with those guys? Are you, are you there for a long time or? Uh, yeah. Well, um, my boss, he dangled a carrot after about, 
seven years or so, six or seven years, and said, you know, you can have this business when I retire, meaning buy. Um, yeah. And I did yeah. talk him down. I think I paid 30000 for the business in the end. He wanted oh, wow. fifty, And I said, I'm almost due for when, when he retired, I was just short of 10 years working for him. So I said, look, I'm, I'm pretty much due for long service leave here. And according to my calculations, the equipment is only worth about 25 or $30,000. There's no goodwill in the business. Um, so yeah, I was able to, to purchase it for $30,000. After 10 years working for that boss, um, on on the you know the minimum wage obviously um yeah. <laughs> not yeah. many not many uh, bosses pay more than they need to do they but um no. he wasn't the worst boss he was he was okay but i never had a sick day and unfortunately i um i'm in good health and uh and i think i i i had like one one or two sick days all that time i was hung over quite a bit on a, on a saturday <laughs> if i worked Saturday mornings Difficult but, um, <laughs> yeah that's right but uh, yeah, I, you know, I was a loyal um, employee to to my boss. You know, I didn't yeah. didn't screw him around. Um, so yeah, so it was ten years working for him. So it was your boss and yourself. Your boss retired. You took on the business, and it went down to to one. And it might not have made a huge difference if your boss wasn't doing much. But did did you then sort of say? And and was the company called T Shack initially, or did you change the name? Or no. Um, originally when I, when I started there, um, there was my boss and another boss that had the business and it was called commercial screen and print. And there were two guys a little bit older than me working there. They were say early twenties and I was 19 or the mid twenties. Um, and the bosses had worked together at a glass manufacturing business in Geelong Pilkington glass. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, worked in the screen room making the hotlines for reader misters on cars that are screen printed with a silver particle ink. So they were doing that. And also uh, windscreens have a black border around them, black bands. And they also, yeah. you know, made the, the screens for that. And they were, they were hand cutting the positives, um, the hotlines with, you know, two scalpel blades together, separated, you know, 0.6 of a mil or whatever to cut the, um, the, the band, the hotline. So they had the screen making experience and for whatever reason, they decided let's get into screen printing. Um, and they had a contract without it being a contract with Rip Curl and also um, Hardcore Industries that there were several labels under Hardcore being uh, Mooks, Mossimo, uh, Four Star. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Stussy was one of them though. Numerous anyway. And mm. uh, I think my, my boss's partner had had that connection somehow. So it was after maybe two years of me working there, bosses went their separate ways. And my boss renamed his business um, Screen Tech, which I then traded under the Screen Tech name for about seven or eight years after I purchased the business from him. And it was when I bought a direct-to-garment printer from a bloke that was moving back to Burma where he was born. He had a direct-to-garment, um, a brother machine and uh, heat press, um, 24-inch Mimaki vinyl cutter and a hat press yeah. that I bought off him for a very good price. And he was using the T-Shack name. And I thought, 
that's a great name, you know, do you mind if I, you know, what are you doing with the name? And he said, well, I don't have the intention of coming back to Australia. So, you know, if you want to go for it. Oh, so, yeah, I've been T-Shack for five years now. So um, I always wanted to change the name when I bought the business, but I guess people knew Screen Tech to some extent um, and the cost and the admin part of switching it all over. I thought, I'll just keep it for now. And I mm. just kept on keeping kept it. On going. <laughs> yeah, you gradually yeah. switched. So I think it's a great name, by the way, you know, T-shirt company names wild and varied from kind of super conservative to more kind of stylized than I think. Yeah, sadly, I, I can't take credit for the name. <laughs> you can take credit for identifying it and saying can i have that so sure going back to that um operation so you had a an auto what tell us about the auto what was it how what i was, was um, sorry what size was it how many patterns and so on yeah it was a, a tas branded you know tas made in melbourne um yeah, yeah. eight color 10 station um nice. what was it maybe a late i don't i don't know the specifics of it unfortunately um late 90s model i believe it was a, a an all air um machine before the electronic heads were a thing yep. um but a good solid machine you know it uh i don't remember ever having any issues um in the f 15 years or so i had it so or worked on it um it was pretty amazing because my boss's partner bought one that was in good nick i think from wa and was flown over to Geelong or trucked over or whatever. And uh, he had issues with that, numerous issues, a, a damper, I think, one of the, the rotating um, piston thing, what, what's it called? Pneumatic cylinder, whatever. I think that mm -hmm. that played up. He had numerous air leaks in the heads constantly or having to replace the bushes, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it was, it was a TAS uh, eight color, um, which was sufficient, I did, actually do some sampling for Ripka, which was a constant thing twice a year. And I did an eight color on that using one of the loading or unloading stations as a flash station. And yeah, uh, yeah did, did an eight color like that, you know, yeah, 20 right. sample prints on neoprene panels for pencil cases. But it took me, you know, most of the day to set up the eight colors, mix, mix the ink and print each color twice going around yeah. flash. Yeah, yeah, flashing yeah. it. Do, yeah. Doing a cycle mode. 30 panels, yeah. But um, just to it get was that adequate. eighth color. So normally it'd be seven color plus the flash, or was it an eight color plus the flash normally? Yeah, it was, it, this was an eight color plus the flash. Oh, yeah, right. So you. The unloading station. So. Yeah, yeah. right. Gotcha. Yeah. Because it was just sampling, I, I couldn't have done production like that, really. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because there wasn't even a, a white base on these, you know, there, there was eight colors oh, wow. so i printed each color twice going around yeah, and around right. and around it took forever but um most of the the rip curl prints were three or four colors so the eight color was an eight color carousel was sufficient i've heard yeah. of people doing that taking the flash and putting it on the uh the unloading yeah. platen if you've got the two platens and just buys you that extra head and extra That's color right. to print yeah, so yep. he didn't even have an underpaste. So it was no. eight raw colors. That's that's really cool. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And tell me about Flash. I mean, was the Flash just a Taz one again? or was Yeah, it, it was. It was it was the, the black, um, the radiant panel. Um, uh, yeah, infrared, yeah. Um, yeah. 
panel. Uh, my boss did did also purchase a large large being, or it's probably fifty by 80, 90 centimeter deep uh, quartz tube uh, flush unit from Jones Brothers. Yeah, that I still had until recently. Only it, you know had a, a sensor on the front of it, which was it, it did play up after it numerous years. That was used mostly on a manual machine flushing half millimeter neoprene panels these things <laughs> rip curl called pot skins and um hot skins from memory that's right yeah and so i had a had a, a colleague work with me because at one point the, my boss employed i think four people three or four people um and then that dwindled back to me being the first on so the last off and obviously i had the carrot dangled in front of me so yeah no, um, absolutely but yeah that that flash unit was was not cheap way back yeah. what probably 20 years ago and i still had it until yeah. i moved here at the start of the year and i went to the scrap heap because um it had a problem and you, it was a three-phase unit so it wasn't any good to me and i didn't want to sell a problem that yeah good on you probably wasn't a cheap or easy fix so yeah yeah it and it's sort of done its time so did you run a manual as well in that shop or was it just the auto like did you do anything like specialized stuff on a manual yeah back back in the day it was um there were two manuals there also um but they were single station manuals um oh, yeah, okay. there's a, a mob in melbourne that still make ovens i don't know if they make carousels possibly called reservoir engineering um i'm actually running a, a little electric uh dryer now uh reservoir engineering which would be 35 years old i guess i hadn't used it in seven years until just now the other month i plugged it in and it, it had sat outside undercover but outside at my house for at least two years um I had a sheet over it but plugged it in and away it goes so yeah, yeah ceramic right. elements whatever it is 80 centimeter dryer um still goes so they make they make good quality stuff but yeah we were using a a single station manual there um to do small small quantity stuff and it was all rip curl in, in the end uh there were a few new customers that came along um drama groups or a, a drama group from geelong um uh, what else was there? there there wasn't a whole lot i mean we were in the yellow pages um phone book but yeah. uh my boss didn't advertise we didn't have a computer um yeah wow okay we used to have the the films made at uh some processing place in geelong okay. like office works i guess um so yeah someone would come and say oh i want this image put on screen he said oh take go to this place in town cavalier cavalier, cavalier digital prints and he said ask them to print it onto a transparency and then bring it back and we'll make wow. the screen okay so yeah it was pretty pretty old school my, my boss um he he knew how to screen print obviously it's not that difficult to learn how to to print manually but he didn't understand how to run the automatic um because his boss his sorry partner um had the know-how about that mm. and uh and so he never ran that um i was running the machine you know he would, he would go out just in the in the years leading up to me taking over he would um take his wife here there she never drove so and i was just running the machine and doing the whole operation so i had no qualms in taking over the business besides not knowing the admin side of it yeah and uh up until a year before me taking over 
I hadn't really used a computer myself since leaving school. You know, compute. This was '95, I think, year ten. Um, mm. I did infotech, didn't pay a lot of attention, and there wasn't a lot going on there there anyway. I think that mm. was one year I did IT, um, and then forgot about. It. Didn't touch a computer for ten years, and yeah, just before purchasing the business, I thought I better get a computer and learn <laughs> how to do emails. Yeah, yeah, right. Wow. <laughs> That's cool. And you basically you learn everything, right? I mean, they, they burnt screens themselves. They just had the, the film outsourced. They burnt screens and reclaimed screens. And you kind of got around all of that stuff. But it sounded like there that there was the computer part that was missing. I mean, obviously now you cut your own, you burn your own screens, you you print your own film. So you learn Adobe Illustrator and Photoshop and all those sorts of things. Yeah, that's right. Um... I, I still can't really use Photoshop. I've never had a need for it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, yeah. you know, self, self-taught with Illustrator, of which also I, I don't know, I probably know 10, 10 or 20% of how to use it, you know, just separating the colors, whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not a designer. I, I, don't, I don't do design. Um, typography, sure. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's for what I need. People, people have... Um, the artwork ready to go separate the colors just separate separate the them. it's uh, interesting yeah. that because i find a lot of people that start out perhaps on photoshop maybe you know editing photos which is of course what it's for mm. and to you know take that into screen printing and, and carry on with those skills and they never really explore adobe illustrator and it seems like there's quite a hard crossover we run boats mm. here and I know trying to, you know, do proper separations, especially if you've got simulated process or something, you really need to use Illustrator. You can do it in Photoshop, but the results aren't as good. But it seems right. like a lot of people struggle to jump from one to the other. Yeah. Um, there seems to be a learning curve. And I hate the fact that Adobe just have totally different shortcuts and different concepts around the shortcuts, uh, you yes. know, in Illustrator as opposed to, to Photoshop. But um, yeah, we used to use Photoshop, but we mm. more or less exclusively use Illustrator okay. now. Yeah, yeah. This just seems to be that bit sharper on the film, to be honest. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so you got into all of that and then you had to learn all the business stuff. What kind of challenges do you remember around the business stuff? Well, um, if I'm completely honest, None really, because it's a it's a fairly blurred time for me going <laughs> yeah. casting my mind back that far, um, and you know I will be completely honest because that's who I am. Yeah. My mother actually helped with with um, most of the invoicing, and it, we were handwriting invoices because that's a, that's what my yeah. boss did. Obviously, not having a computer, so yeah. um, you know I was I was writing invoices at times, but. Other times, mum was doing that also, um, and the tax part of it, you know, mum would help with that, and then the accountant, of course. But um, uh, it was just a, another thing that needed to be done, I guess. Once I did take over the business, um, mm. the boss. But in terms of challenges, well, none, none really, because it was handwriting invoices. There's nothing yeah. particularly difficult about that. Um, and again, like I said, it was. A long, long time ago. Now, <laughs> it's yeah. not thirty or forty years, obviously, but it's yeah. it's long enough. Oh, um, Twenty years, yeah, or long enough for my memory. When you, yeah. When did you take it over? What year? Was ah, that? 
15, 15 years ago. Yeah, okay, long time yeah. ago. You know, <clears throat> from my days in management consulting, there's this concept that we used to kind of explain to people about technology in particular, and businesses were migrating from um, kind of like a terrestrial world to, to a digital world, if you will. Um, yeah. Not, not an extraterrestrial, just terrestrial. Um, <laughs> yeah. Some companies would deliberately hold back that innovation and they'd work, you know, on, particularly in manufacturing at that point, work mm. on their um, processes and really refine those processes, which yeah. of course meant it was very labor intensive. And then they would gradually make that jump. And it was a jump that they, that was the important part. We used to call it leapfrogging into technology. Yeah. And then they'd just bandage the two together and work out the efficiencies. There was actually some benefit in doing that because as we know with most things, but especially with technology, there's this evolution. You know, things yep. start with little things and they get better and better and so on. And people mm. make huge investments in systems and, and processes around systems that just keep changing. And so for some people, they, they held back and then they made this jump, they invested, and they then, you know, were totally up to speed with something that was brand new and the culture shock just happened then and mm. it was much better. So that is actually a practice in certain types of organization or has been, I guess yeah, most yeah. people are, are there now. So you probably benefited in a way from that you know doing it possibly yeah yeah i'll never know i guess <laughs> yeah and look you know on the business stuff you know really want this podcast to look at the kind of business angle as well as you know the, the technical angle of screen printing and, mm. and the way we do things um what i found because i'm from the uk and i've run lots of different types of businesses um the bureaucracy in Australia is actually much thicker in terms of the morass that you have to get through, mm. but it's actually much simpler and much more straightforward, which of course right. I really appreciate. You know, yeah. Taxation system simpler, you know. So, sure. um, you know, I've I've kind of appreciated learning that. I've only run two companies in, in Australia, and both of them were companies. Yeah. And you know, when I first did one, I thought, oh my goodness, this this is just going on and on and on and on mm. but then i realized it was a lot more straightforward so okay yeah in a way kind of more transparent um yeah but uh, yeah okay so um you started to diversify you mentioned you got some drama groups and and other types of customers but you yeah. were marketing they just came to you is that what happened? that's right yeah I, I never advertised myself either um oh, i did live with my boss's son and a friend of his, and and these blokes were seven or eight years older than me. Um, I lived with them for a year or so and uh, met some of their friends. And one of my boss's friends, I bumped into, I think just after I took over from my boss when I bought the business and I, I bumped into him at the, um, the Geelong races, the horse races. And uh, he said, you know, you're still working for, for George's old man. And I said, yeah, oh, you know, I've just bought the business off him, actually. He said, oh, wow, congratulations. You know, he said, I might be able to send some work your way. So he and, a, and another friend, uh, Scott Austin, who's the brother, cousin of Nigel Austin of Cotton On fame. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, this, this bloke that was a client of mine um, was friends with with. Nigel's cousin, I believe, Scott Austin. And uh, also the Austins have Austin Wines, which are fairly well well known in Australia, at least now. Um, getting off topic here, sorry. No, it's good. <laughs> Scott Austin and, and this client of mine, Stefan, had, they did have a clothing um, 
clothing label, I think it was just one called Spy Whack or something like that. Must have been 17, 18 years ago. Um, I'm not sure how long that that was around for, only a few years, I believe, but um, they had a crack. And then uh, my client, Stefan, yeah, he, he was involved with um, equestrian um, events. So, and he's still still doing that. He's mostly manufacturing, um, you know, polo shirts and jackets, puffer jackets and things like that uh, in China and importing them there. Um, I don't touch that stuff, the equestrian stuff, um, but he, you know, he has some other customers like, like what, um, well, I, I don't deal with, I've, when I moved up here, start of the year, um, he told me it wasn't going to work for him, um, freighting goods back and forth interstate. So I was fairly happy about that, even though it was a longstanding relationship between us. I, I did work for him for close to 15 years, I guess. Um, and for a while there, he was probably my main client, you know, give me the most work. Um, but I also, after selling the automatic machine when I was working seven days doing rip curl stuff and going, this isn't life, you know, working 60, 70 hours a week, seven days a yeah. week. Yeah. I might do this my whole life and not experience anything else um, and not travel and, and not make a great deal of money because obviously you're limited when you don't employ anyone, you're limited to the money you can make. So um, I thought I was just being a bit foolish, spending all my time working and not really making any money. So when I sold that stuff off and then started working from the garage, people were asking, you know, you're still printing? Like, where, where have you gone? You're not in the shed. Um, it was this guy, after a while, after a few months, he said, why don't you move in with me? You know, move, in, move into the shed here. And I said, well, I'm not paying any rent at home, mate. Why would I, yeah. why would I want to move in with you and, and pay you? He goes, oh, I'll, I'll look after you, you know, so... That was cheap, you know. I had I had my manual there and, and the dryer, um, but there wasn't room for a wash trough um, or, you know, dark room. So mm. I was doing that at home, which was nearby. It was two kilometers away, but taking screens back and forth yeah, became okay. um, yeah. After a year or so, the shed behind him became vacant, and I moved in there and started accumulating more equipment. <laughs> um, and getting busier and because this bloke was right next door to me he'd come and see me pretty much every single day go outside for a smoke and he'd walk down the driveway and and it sort of hassled me and say you know well, what are you working on you know? and I, i'd say well you know not your stuff and he said well why not you know i pay your bills straight away and it's like well i need to do some of my clients work also you know i need to do that in a timely manner and and I, I just had that pressure with him being next door. So yeah, yeah. last two and a half years when I purchased the automatic machine and then I was working, you know, in a bigger factory there before moving the start of this year, I was so glad to move away from him because mm. he didn't have that over me and I didn't feel the pressure to prioritize mm. his work. Mm. But um, you need that now, kind of freedom, don't you, as a boss? You need to be able to make those decisions and not be beholden to your customers, whatever size or whatever arrangement you've got with them. It's, it can be very right. daunting when people are 
constantly at you for performance or for product and so on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was it was frustrating because um, you know I, I, I didn't exactly have a friendship with this guy. I mean, I, I knew him from way back when I lived with my boss's son, um, and he was a likable kind of guy, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I just didn't really appreciate the type of personality that he he is um mm. all for himself kind of thing you know and, and sure so many I just people don't like that yeah no so you get know. the story straight so i got it in my head um so you went you applied for the job started working for these guys straight onto the auto uh, loading and unloading and so on and um then you purchased the business then it sounded like you moved to your home to your, your garage is that what the next stage was That's and right. then you moved with this this other guy yes and then he kind yes. of grew again yeah okay yep. so is it the case that you're a particular size when you purchased the business kind of downsized and then grew again and then yeah that's right um it was when when i sold off the automatic and what i i, I told rip curl sorry i'm i'm getting out um you'll need to find someone else to do the printing and um and this was mind you Oh, I'll finish that that story, but you're correct in your analysis there. Um, I was going to do something else before long. I was printing for my garage, moved in with this other yeah, client gotcha. um, yeah. for, it might've been close to a year until the shed behind his became vacant, accumulated some more stuff, um, actually bought a four color automatic, the first automatic machine TAS ever made in the early eighties. Um, yeah, wow. A sign writer, a sign writer had it um, in remote, you know, an hour north east of Adelaide. And I drove over there with my wife, um, hired an enclosed trailer, one way trailer to drag the thing back. And I purchased it for, I think, 300 bucks because this, this guy bought it for four or five grand a few years yeah, earlier. Yeah. A blue, a bluer, um, uh, some kind of seal um, inside the main shaft that lifted the four heads at once this this yeah. machine was known as a pterodactyl this this four color task um and there's still there's still a couple in the country i think screen fiend in, in melbourne had one of these they don't anymore but um yeah that's sort of as soon as i got that machine up and running um figured out what the problem was the seal was cracked on one side and i flipped it over and then the machine worked so wow. i didn't really need to spend any any money on it um <laughs> get it up and running and I was you know printing just single color with the two screens you know print flash print yeah and it was easy you know not put the screen down and dragging the squeegee yourself and at, at that point I thought to myself yep I need to get myself another auto and it was uh, probably two or three years after that an electric head task became available um okay. from Collingwood I bought bought that from while you sleep screen printing um they upgrade to MR. They've got two MR machines out. They had two tasses, but they've jumped ship. Um, yeah, built, built the business back up again. And um, yeah, and then and here I am just printing for my main client, which was a workwear provider in Geelong. Um, they're sending up sending work up to me, um, 1400Ks away. And uh, that's I still do hear from my yeah some of my old clients. Um, well, I have thus far anyway, and will continue to and and send them work also. But um, yeah, it's it's busy again. You know, I'm I'm still here working most days. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but not 60, 70 hours a week. Not quite, no. You got your <laughs> life back somehow. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of good working from home now. Um, you know, not 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 dealing with customers at all. Um, I can kind of, well, not kind of, I can work my own hours, but um, yeah, yeah. this house having solar panels, I like, I like the idea of working during the day and uh, utilising that free electricity. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, old habits die hard and I'm, I'm not really a morning person, so <clears throat> I find it hard to get up before 8 o'clock. Sometimes it's 9 or even a bit after that. <laughs> and if there's other things to do, uh, you know, get distracted, um, I might not get out get to work until late in the afternoon and then work oh, late into the evening. That's great. <laughs> but it's, it's good to be able to do it, you know, and I yeah. just speak to my wife if I need a hand unloading shirts or emptying the box at the back of the oven um, or whatever it might be. I just, you know, walk through the door there and, you know, call that to my wife and say, hey, can you give me a hand with this, please? Um, it's just here. I can stop for, you know, five minutes and watch the idiot box or, you know, yeah. you know just yeah. have, a, have a break for a bit and then step back into the garage and, back into it but um that's it's fascinating to me because um you've come such a different route to get there you know you when you speak to screen printers they'll tell you i started my bedroom i started my garage you know um and it gradually grew and i you know i moved from a one color to a four and a six and Mm. eight Mm. and then i moved out to another shop and eventually got an auto and and so on and it's this idea that um somehow bigger is better uh, bigger will be more money uh, but the re- and that can happen right we know that but sure. the reality yep. often is bigger is more headaches staff you mentioned staff earlier you know that's a mm. you know like you said to kind of have someone else's mortgage in the back of your mind to make sure you're employing them able to pay them is, is very stressful but you've yeah. done the opposite in a way in that mm. you cut your teeth on on the really big stuff right rip curl on, a, on an auto yep. you know yep. and you you've worked you've gone to different places and built and and you know, tried to change your life in terms of maybe move on to something else and come back to it. Your customers have have called you back. But now you've made this tree change Mm -hmm. and you've got this free time, you know, and it sounds to me worth its weight in gold. You know, I'm usually here till nine most nights. Yeah, Different things on and, you know, it's not always work, but um, it can be very stressful. So tell me about that. You You know, how did you make that decision? I mean, obviously... You traveled a long way from Geelong. Um, and yeah. You, you saw a different lifestyle in the in the bush, as it were. But what was it that finally tripped the decision that, that you said, you guys said, we're going we're gonna to move to the country? Um, well, I mean, I guess the fact uh, my wife and I were unable to have children um, probably means, it, 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 that's probably, um, I guess, the reason why... I'm not quite as serious about being financially successful and I've, I've mm-hmm. been a little bit floaty in, in what I do with this business um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because, you know, we're not raising a family. So, um, you know, that, that is unfortunate, um, but we've, we've come to accept that and that's, that's fine with us. You know, we've got a cat and a galah and a dog would be good, but, you know, the cat wouldn't like that until, you know, She's getting on, so after that, probably get a dog. But you know, we're we're animal lovers, yeah. Um, and uh, you know, we've got a bit of space here to 
to potentially, you know, hopefully get some chickens um, mm. and, uh, you know, maybe maybe some sheep or goats potentially just to keep the, the lawn mode. So that's even though there's a ride on here, which is kind of fun in the initial stages, um, <laughs> <laughs> the novelty of that will wear off too. Um, but yeah, just just have some animals and 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 you know they they're our children, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we we don't have that. Um, I guess that same thing in our heads that all parents have. You know, they they need to provide, and mm. um, I guess as soon as you, be, you become a parent, um, you know, your whole focus, I guess, shifts, doesn't it? People say, oh, you know, the same thing. Oh, I've never known love like, you know, when I saw, held my kid for the first time. And, and you know, you had that responsibility financially to, to make the best decisions and, and ensure that you've got food on the table. And, mm. you know, I don't mind starving, so. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you can't <laughs> starve your child, but you don't mind going no. hungry yourself. Yeah. No, that's and it, right. it is true. You know, I've got four children. I think you know that. One of them's a part owner in the business here and works she runs the, yeah. the production as you know and um it gets more expensive i mean you know it's wonderful we love our kids three mm. of them are married um and that takes some of that burden and pressure off off but it is a pressure sure. you know and I, I dare say that's affected me personally very badly in the sense that i've always kind of hunted the dollar or the pound mm. uh, in my case back in the uk um, very aggressively because of that and I guess you know just innate kind of ambition in a way but yeah so you've got this new mm. lifestyle mm, yeah you, sorry I didn't answer your question no no quite. it's all good no, no no you're getting there um and it's it's freed up your time it's changed mm. you know your, your relationship with work and I guess the kind of environment right the the, the, the that's surroundings right yeah. that you're in yeah I mean we we didn't ideally neither of us would have are chosen to move to such a cool climate for a good part of the year where it, it snows up here. Um, yeah. uh, but, you know, my wife and I decided we, we wanted to move somewhere to become more self-sufficient. Um, mm. You know, we'd been plant-based or vegan, if you like. Um, we're not, we're not, you know, militant vegans. We don't carry on to people about it. Oh, you shouldn't eat meat, all that. Yeah, people yeah. can do what they like but um yeah. you know we haven't eaten eaten meat for six years now um and my wife does most of the cooking um and she's a wonderful cook thanks babe um i try but I'm, I'm not as good as her with with the meal preparation but um you know we thought if we can if we can um buy some buy a property that has has some land or has fruit trees um Obviously, you could put solar on, but this this house came up where I, I searched for a house that had fruit trees um, yeah. and solar, and this came up, and it was sort of halfway up, you know, to the tip of Queensland, and I went, oh, that looks like it'd be sort of warm climate. Um, <laughs> looked at the house and went, that looks great. Um, some space outside there, you know, double garage, um, can work work out of there, and um, yeah, we thought that looks good. We. And, I can't remember whether we were bidding on the place or the successful bidder when we discovered the altitude that Black Mountain is, but it's um it's almost the highest city, or highest town in Australia. Yeah. So it's yeah. yeah, it gets cold. Um, yeah. it gets it does get some snow. So as as you're aware, <laughs> I'm aware. I mean, Armadale, I think it has the the 
you know, moniker, if you will, of being the highest city. And I know mm. that, you know, you're plenty of feet higher, um, meters, I should say, um, yeah, yeah. where we are. And yeah, I mean, just driving up the highway, um, sometimes it's, you know, pretty clear here and you get up the hill a bit and you start to see snow. I mean, you know, it is, it is that bit higher and yeah, it'll be cool. Yeah. But I, you know, I personally really love the lifestyle in, in the rural regional Australia in Armadale. Yeah, exactly. Around the, the New England area, Northern Tablelands. Um, yeah. And often think, well, you know, you haven't quite got everything you need, but you're pretty close. Mm -hmm. And frankly, you know, it doesn't take much to go somewhere fairly near and find that too. And you've That's got an right. airport as well if you need to jump back to Geelong or, or wherever. Yeah. Um, yep. Just going back to screen printing. Um, so you, you know, you were saying earlier on that, you know, you had to get a computer and these things were new or relatively new. Mm. Um, but you are now on Facebook and you're on um, Instagram, I think. Is that right? You, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, when was what, three years ago, I guess, we, we moved to that other location when I acquired the, the automatic um, uh, machine. Um, it was then we decided we should maybe push the business a little bit and you know get an instagram account um so that was short-lived i uploaded you know seven or eight images i think or whatever it was not many and we're busy busy again with my main client now that i've been working for for you know three or four years um the work with a provider um that are a franchise um but uh them and that other client that uh that i work for also i was mentioning before um and a few others so I was, I was busy and we didn't need to to push the instagram and it, it kind of just got forgotten about but yeah um, I, if you're talking about me and break or you know learning technology and things like that um i'm still not really across it i i prefer to use my phone to write emails um i'm not very very um i'm not great with the keyboard i'm single finger type kind of thing so, <laughs> so you might as well use the phone yeah yeah, exactly. Um, as much as you know, I, I I I see and I don't like the addiction that everybody seems to have yeah. with phones and just being glued to them yeah. so much. Um, it's not a good thing. But uh, yeah, you know, I did need to obviously embrace to in, to, to to run a screen printing business. I needed to to learn Illustrator and email and things like that. But um, I I, I wasn't. Um, you know, talking with clients and things via email much. It was, you know, because I had these main clients that mm. were, mm. you know, I've done mostly contract printing, you know, for Rip Curl originally. And then mm. um, this workwear provider and the other bloke that was involved in the equestrian mm. work, um, the other jobs that he was giving me, um, you know, people were dropping work to me and I'd either dro drop it back to them or they'd come and pick it up. So that was good in a way. Um, I didn't need to advertise. I didn't need to be emailing clients or have, mm -hmm. have an employee, my wife or whoever, helping yeah. that side of things. Um, but of course, there's limitations in, well, if you're not providing the, the garment and marking that up, um, I was only getting money for 95% of my work by print, the printing alone, not, not the, yeah. the garment markup. So yeah. it wasn't as easy money. I thought it was great not having to deal with the clients because that, there can be tire kickers and oh, um yeah. you know oh, you yeah. don't know how long you might be sitting with the client for um mm. but uh i think in 
upon reflection, um, I think I, I, I probably did that the wrong way and I should have been been looking for, you know, maybe approaching some bigger businesses and trying to, to get work from them um, or advertising and seeing where that may go um, and dealing with more people to provide the garments for them because I've never made good money in this business. Um, I guess because of my lack of um, drive to 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 make good money, um, I thought it was good doing doing contract printing, but you can only do so much when when you're a one man band. So for sure, and look, I mean, you know, in a way, that's kind of prevented you from getting super big and not being able to take the lifestyle choice that you're in now. You know, there's a benefit to that as well. Um, yeah. We look, you know, we love all our customers, the ones that pay, you know, and the ones that yeah, don't we right. still try and love. I mean, customer service is so important, but mm -hmm. man, they can be so demanding. And you often hear that kind of <clears throat> analogy of, you know, the big customers that buy a thousand garments, never give you any hassle. And then you have mm -hmm. a customer comes on for 20 and they're just a total nightmare. Yeah. Um, and in some cases, what we found is, you know, we try and do most of our work online and occasionally we have a walk in, but we're not so much set up for that. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're national, as it were. Um, you might have a customer that, you know, we you forget about, right? Like, you know, you put a quote out to them, some mock-ups out to them. And six months later, they come back and, you oh, yeah, okay. You might have another customer that purchases in the same day. And then you might have another customer that just goes back and forth and back and forth for ages and it becomes completely unviable financially but you know you're in the process you kind of have to fulfill it yeah Some exactly. of them are so demanding we had a great one yesterday tyler i won't say who it was but a customer who's going through a big quote for um, someone in the medical um, fraternity mm. and they must have some connection with some restaurants in brisbane and they said look if we if we tack on these other there's two different restaurants if we tack on these other prints you know will you give us a discount i was trying to explain <laughs> well that's ostensibly right. that's a different print job and you know so yeah. you know we try to work out a deal yeah. and when i thought we, we'd got to the deal um the customer said and this was just yesterday so mm. friday for those listening um they said can we have them by uh, wednesday next week you know and i said look you just don't understand screen printing now the sad thing is I then said, but we have an express service. <laughs> you know, oh, how much extra is that for us? That's 30%, right? Because we just yep. don't want them to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And then they say, well, you know, if we pay the 30%, will we definitely get it on Wednesday? I said, well, it's gain. We can't guarantee, you know. Now we mm. will, they went for it and they paid right. up straight away. Yeah, well. And we will do everything we can, right, to get that to Brisbane uh, by Thursday, uh, by Wednesday. Yeah, but well. It's, it's pretty unlikely. Yeah, um, but you know, you so have you, the, you have the stock there, I'm guessing. Yeah, I think I think we got to get in some ladies' um, AS color shirts. I think that was part of the order. Yeah. So they may not be here, but we'll try and get everything else. The film's done. I just came in this morning mm -hmm. to do the film, um, and uh, yeah, but you know what I mean. Like the more customers you have, the more headaches you have in a way. Mm -hmm. So even yeah. if you're not making the markup on the garment, you got steady work. You know, you got you haven't got to deal with all these other people you know the customer well they know you well that's Huge right benefits and yeah again, you're able to I, get the freedom you want in the country now yes so yeah. on screen printing um this is a question i love to ask screen printers um putting your current customers to one side for a sec mm. if you could print any kind of job mm. 
on a t-shirt let's say you know full color simulated process mm. you know, don't tell me print flash print is your favorite but what would be your favorite um, in terms of you know uh, the type of print that you, you might want to do discharge or you know what? yeah well i mean that's what i was going to suggest and hence why i'm wearing this this t-shirt you've seen before but this is a discharge oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, Dave Thomas, who was a founding guitarist in the Geelong band called Board. Um, yeah. yeah, that was, was it, it might have been Plus Charge, uh, slightly grey, grey ink colour. Um, yeah. yeah, obviously they're, they're easy and, you know, they're sort of a bit magic when they come out the oven. And, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. yeah. That or, you know, this other shirt here that's printed, uh, which is a sim process job. I mean, I, I've done, yeah, nice. I've done probably three sim process jobs and they're all in in recent years because i, I just didn't have the um the uh no, nobody asked for it this is a local yeah yeah local sure. um uh, hotel the barn club hotel in geelong that um you know you know board the band where um they sort of started out there and a lot of international bands um have played at uh, the barn club yeah. they're a small venue so you know that it's, it's not a thousand person capacity venue i think it's three or four hundred but um yeah, they've nice. had an annual festival the river rocks festival um for probably 10 years uh, just a day a day festival there so i've been printing their shirts for the last few years um and and you know the guy that that runs that you know asked me to to print these tribute yeah. shirts for um dave's widow um to help her out a little bit um yeah, okay. but you know stim process jobs obviously they're good fun particularly when you don't do them all the time, you know, some people that, that do a, a whole lot of them might may find a bit tedious in the setup and, and, you know, things like that. But um, that's good fun. I, I do like, you know, when, when the graphics are cool like that, considering most of the work that I've done have, have just been for, you know, tradesmen in the last few years. Um, Rip Curl was just the, the, these handful, yeah. you know, three or four different designs for that six months. Um, and I found that, you know, fairly, kind of boring um mm. but you know tradies and 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 you know text on shirts you know left chest and back um on high vis gear and things like that that's that's mostly what i do um and the you know there's no interesting you know graphic element to mm. most of the stuff i do so mm. i don't i don't overly enjoy um most of the print jobs that i do i find them you know visually boring but yeah. um you know, I do, I do like. I've always enjoyed the the um, the challenge of getting the job set up quick and get it, getting onto it and doing a good job of it. You know, um, I've I've maintained my customers all these years because they they know I'm particular about quality, um, and that's another reason why I was always hesitant to uh, employ someone because I thought they're going to make they're going to make mistakes and that's going to um, cost time in setting the job up again and replacing the garments that they burn or, you know, yeah, they, yeah. they print in the wrong position, things like that. Yeah. And I didn't want that headache and I didn't want my reputation to be tarnished by someone, particularly if I'm not there mm. and they're getting a job out and it's, you know, the, the images out of position things like that. Um, or, you know, you have sublimation issues with, you know, poly blends, things like that, um, yep. you know, my name being, or my reputation being tarnished, that, that was, it was mostly not wanting to be responsible for someone else's livelihood. 
um, yeah. because I guess I doubted my ability in being able to to be to go to that next level and um, and you know generate more work to to employ people. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, something I've always prided myself on. Um, my you know being being really particular about quality. So um, yeah, yeah, as much as the the the, the prints have been not great you know lacking graphics most of the time um kind of boring print jobs um yeah it's still your, it's your bread and butter isn't it i mean we've got to do those as well as the nice ones and when the exactly. fun ones come along you get super excited you yeah know, when you move it from from film to to the press and see the outcome um, yeah okay so my next question for you is about inks I mean, we mentioned discharge mm. inks there and simulated process in terms of color um yeah Plastisol, water base, like you know, either or, or you strictly yeah, one or um, the other. I haven't really done. I've I've done very little water based printing. Um, uh, probably ten years ago, I I attempted something that was three or four colors water base, and it was summer. It was fairly warm. Um, I just had problems with the screens drying, yeah. the you know the images getting dried up, and and I just found it painful. Um, as much as you know, water-based ink is, has that that great hand feel, um, and I was always, for some years, I was very keen to to be more eco-friendly and and do more water-based printing. Um, mm. I haven't had the the request from my clients to 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 do it. You know, they've they've yeah. been happy with Plastisol, the workwear gear I print for tradies. Um, you know. They don't specify. I don't know if it's really possible to. to I guess it's possible if you you know the inks. There's sub blocker water based inks. Um, mm-hmm. I know there are, even though I don't. I'm not familiar with all of the products and the different brands. Um, yeah, I've used Plastisol forever. You know, Plastisol with um, uh, Wilflex ink with stretch additive in it. I used for um, the rash vest for rip curl. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been buying Union inks for okay. some years now. Um, yep. Yeah, I did. I did buy some other inks. There was a distributor in Melbourne that's no longer around now. The ink dude, um, and he was he was selling Excalibur inks, um, plus some inks that were you know pretty good value, I believe. And and there was another printer in Geelong that was using them first. So you know, I sort of went on his recommendation and tried those, and I was happy with them. Um, the ink dude was also importing Mat- Matsui inks, water-based inks yep. Yep. Um, from America. And, and I believe he was was the only distributor in Australia. Um, and I believe he was owed quite a bit of money. So he, he got out of doing that. And, and I heard he had actually gone gone into screen printing himself. Um, okay. But That's that was a bit of a shame because I, I had um, dabbled a little bit in, in water-based inks and I, I thought Matsui inks were, were good. Um, even though I didn't have the need to use water-based inks, um, as I said, I dabbled with them a bit. But uh, yeah, Unions is predominantly what I buy now. Um, I do use Rutland um, White. Um, yeah. So yeah, you wouldn't the, use Wilflex over what Rutland? Just out of interest, you mentioned Wilflex earlier. Yeah, um, I guess they, they were one of the more expensive inks and it wasn't a matter of, um, 
you know, needing to, to save the money, um, I just thought, well, if I can buy something that works for less, yeah. then why not? Yeah. Um, you know, I needed to use Wallflex, um, or at least I th- for it was what nine years I worked for the boss, and that's that's the ink that we used. Yeah, okay. So, and so um, with the Rutland Whites, you use Street Fighter, or that's right, Street Fighter, um, yeah. and Cotton Cotton Pro Cotton White. Um, yeah, I, I buy you know twenty liter tubs, um, which last me six to twelve months probably. So yeah, okay. um, I don't have the names in the top of my head, unfortunately. No, yeah, the, the yeah. Cotton White Rutland. Um, and the Street Fighter, and I use is it um, the Barrier Base? I think that's a that's a Rutland too, the Grey Barrier Base. Grey Barrier, yeah, that's got a name too. We use that. It does. Yeah, um, that's pretty easy. Yeah, yeah, and I've also you you know that the, they're white, they're poly white also. Um, yep. And that's that's it. Yeah. Um, and way back, you mentioned that you had a DTG machine. I think. You know, mm, said you got mm. rid of it, but um, it may not be that you get the call for it with your current business model. But I mean, obviously, as screen printers, we tend to love screen printing, and I kind of hiss and spit a little bit at DTG or director film as well now. Yeah, and, uh, I think there are circumstances where it's worthwhile. And in fact, if we have um, you know a twenty t-shirt order and it's you know would be full sim process we just outsource that to a guy in in sydney that we use um just to to satisfy the customer but we do occasionally think about getting a dtg i mean Mm. what was your experience of of using the one you had i mean i know they're slow and quite expensive Mm. but yeah Um, well i thought it was a waste of time and and money and energy really it it was a steep learning curve um I don't know how many hours I put into to trialing it to get the white bright enough with the pre-treatment um, process. Originally, yeah, I was okay. um, hand spraying um, before uh, when I purchased the director garment vinyl cut of the hat press and the heat press. It also came with some heat transfer vinyl and a pre-treatment machine for the director garment, hmm. but the pre-treatment machine wasn't spraying. Um, evenly, which was just a nozzle issue. But before I rectified that, there was a place in Geelong where I lived to um, where I could buy the nozzles and they were cheap. But before I did that, I, I bought a um, like a Wagner hand sprayer. I think it was actually yeah. a Bosch, a Bosch yeah. brand um, um, hand spray paint machine thing that a lot of people were using, or they use foam paint rollers and, and yeah. roll on the pre-treatment. Um, yeah. I was hand spraying with success. Then I changed the nozzles in the pre-trip machine and I also had success like that. Um, but it's a lengthy process in pre-treating um, and then, you know, printing, you know, white on dark garments first. And then this yeah. rather machine would print the white and it would go back in and print the color, you know, come out. And it took, took quite a while. Um, you need to retrieve the white ink if you're not going to use the machine the next day. Oh, okay. um, uh, and in the end, because I wasn't using the machine a whole lot, I did retrieve the white ink, which wastes some ink in the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it took uh, 15 to 20 minutes per head, and this machine had two white heads. Um, it can have four, this, this brother machine, um, which prints quicker. Um, 
but yeah, it was quite. A, it, it took 30, 30 plus minutes to re- retrieve the white ink out of those two heads. So mm. um, needing to do that every day and the waste with that, <clears throat> when I was potentially only printing a handful of t-shirts, mm. it, it wasn't worth the money. Yeah. Um, and from what I've heard and and read in print groups online, um, more Americans than anything else, I think a lot of people say directed garments are just money pits. You know, unless you've got a niche or you're lucky um mm. most people just you don't make money with them and they're not not even worth getting um i think there's probably an exception with the the say cornet machines you know that are hundred thousand dollars yeah they have the built-in pre-treatment um they're probably quicker um maybe they're a better machine um easier to use and, and yeah quicker but super expensive too um mm. I think those big I mean, fulfillment it, companies in the US, you know, when we started, we were doing our own designs and mm. the market that we were in was the Christian market and the church market, which is uh, somewhat bigger in the US than anywhere, really, or maybe not South America. And yeah. so we started a company there and uh, set up some premises just as a, as a mail to address, which we needed there. Mm. And we basically just outsourced that to Printify um, yep. and, you know, connected it through Shopify and all of that. And eventually it just became too much hassle and we, we, we kind of closed that down. Right. But, um, you know, they're one of those big shops that you're talking about that have those huge DTG yeah, machines. Yeah. But it's, I mean, that's the nature of printing. If you're not doing volume, you can't mm-hmm. really make money. And yep. so the slower it gets, the worse it's going to become unless yep. you're on that really big scale. I also have a kind of slight, you know, question about the uh, quality of the inks and, you know, the environmental aspect to the inks yeah um and this is just pure purist snobbery you mm. know I, I just prefer a screen print right like <laughs> i kind yeah. of feel like dtg isn't is a little bit cheaty you know it's a little bit yep. like well you, you probably don't know how this is made but you know it's just a glorified um inkjet really with with different kinds of ink and exactly this, this retreatment yeah um, have you come across an ink called virus I've heard of the virus, yeah. Um, yeah. The supplier in uh, Geelong, I was using Jones Brothers. They they were um, stocking. They were st- are they stocking the virus? Uh, yeah, no, I think I think that's right. Um, I've certainly heard of it. I've never yeah. never bought it. Um, yeah, the the rep. Some guy came over from. Is it you? Is it a UK brand? I think it's Italy. I think they're Italian. I'm not sure yeah. about that. We just started doing some research on. No, that. I think I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. And they're vegetable oil-based inks, right. you know, so yeah. super environmental. But yeah. they have a neat CMYK system, which um, you put on any T-shirt, right? Not just a white T-shirt in this case. It does an underbase that's um, very clever. I can't quite get the whole picture on it yet because the data is a little bit misleading, I think. Yeah, people are starting to rave about them in the UK. I've noticed. Okay. Maybe yep. there's a better supply there. Mm. But what they do is they print. You know, they've got full sim process inks as well. But just on CMYK, you lay an underbase down, um, just give it a quick flash, and then you do the other colours wet and wet, which you'd expect. When yeah. it comes around, the platens don't be need to be super hot. It's not mm. cured, but it's totally dry. Wow. Okay. Dry. Yeah. Interesting. Like, you know, a lot of our platens would get quite warm and yeah, you know, the ink would be pretty well dry when it comes around, but yeah. um, 
and then obviously put them through the oven. So I'm going to try mm. and get a sample of those, but they're kind of, they're not really water-based, but they're not really plastisol. So I'm yeah. intrigued to see, and looking at the, you know, the, the results that you see online, at least, they look pretty amazing. They're great. So, yeah. So I'm going to no, have yeah. a quick look I've, at I've, I have heard of virus, um, I'm not sure where, but I'm getting confused, sorry, with Magna. Um, Jones Brothers distribute Magna inks mm. and... You know, they've got some good, good stuff too. I saw a lot of samples a year or so ago when, when a rep was over. I don't know, Magna, a, a UK-based, um, but someone was over. It's probably from America, actually. And he came down with the Jones Brothers guy and showed me all this stuff. And I thought, that's great. Um, don't really have a need for it, though. And, um, yeah, much well, that's, that's the thing. We're pretty yeah. much the same. We do discharge. We do a little bit of water base, but have that mm. same issue you mentioned about drying out because we're so high up and you're higher up. Mm. it's just super arid right i mean it's not at the moment because it's been raining for the last yeah yeah months but generally you know it's drying the screen before you you flooded mm -hmm. almost you know it's pretty yep. hard to handle um, i've always loved the um that that aspect of of plastisol though you know i've all my lids of ink you know all my tubs of ink sorry don't have lids on them you know yeah. for, for years I, I i kept the ink on the screen so i yeah just yeah. pick the screen out you know if if it was a repeat job and I, I had the image up, you know, the ink's on the screen and I'd just get straight in or, or I'd know which color it was and just you know, top it up. Um, the, the, the ease of plastisol, I've just always loved. Um, and I know that there's shops that are 100% water-based or mostly water-based and they find it easy to work with because they're doing it day in, day out. But yeah, I, I've never got used to it. And I, I guess I've appreciated the fact that plastisol is so easy to work with, but um, yeah, yeah, same here. If the need's not there, then yeah. I'm... And your customer generally doesn't know, you know. I don't That's know whether right. they think that they're all water based or they just don't ask or just don't want to know, but they don't really um, care. We have had a couple of customers that say, "Oh, we want the underbase to be discharged," and we generally don't do that. Um, mm. Um, so we usually try and um, reduce the underbase as much as we can, assuming that it's a full print, you know, yeah. full cover print um, with, with the other colours. Um, but generally we find that people don't know, don't really care, don't really want to know. Exactly. But there's the environmental question, which I think is disposal of the ink, I think is, is you know, the main yeah. issue really. And I know That's some strong. printing shops practice um, aren't exactly... Um, uh, faithful to the environmental requirements um yep. we try and keep that absolutely schmick i know you do as well yeah uh, like that's that's a very very important part of it um when we started out screen printing and you know our story is a little different to yours but it you know it was a hobby we we're doing our own designs and you know some people asked us to do some shirts and we thought uh, how hard can that be and it grew from that but when we first started you know the learning curve is vertical. Mm. The, the screen, you know, every aspect of it initially is vertical, as you, you'd expect. You know, there's no curve at all. Um, but the hardest thing we found was um, burning a screen, you know, producing right. a good film positive output and burning a screen. Mm. Um, and people have different views about this. Some people have, you know, better experiences. We weren't burning them in the sun or anything. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. some people do that. And you think, oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that really is going to be hard. Um, but if you were starting, or if someone came to you and said, I want to start screen printing, mm -hmm. what, apart from a press, 
you know, in inks and things like that. Mm. Um, and they said to you, they asked you the question, what piece of equipment do you think mm. I should buy or what order, you know, should I buy things in? Yeah. What would you say to them? Well, uh, <laughs> in actuality, I've only really um, discovered the, the importance of a very tight mesh um, in recent years. You know, I've, I've always bought used screens from people that are getting out of the industry or or whatever i've i've scoured gumtree and and ebay and you know marketplace you're, in recent years you're, you're quite the screen printer hunter really aren't you you, you yeah you get some really good deals i know you've spoken about yeah. some of them before oh uh, yeah. yeah i've got i've got some stuff i've got some stuff i can well i had i had some stuff i could tell you some stories but it's kind of boring I've always been looking, you know, almost daily I've been looking on Gumtree and eBay and Marketplace for, for stuff. But, um, you know, I've, I've bought used screens that usually the tension on them isn't great. Um, and yeah, they work, but um, they also give you problems. You know, if you've got a, a well-tensioned screen, that helps a lot. So I think that's important um, and, and, and that'll help with learning the, the trade um because it just you know it snaps off straight away you've got a, a loose mesh sticks and you know then you have ink sitting in the mesh when you lift the screen and and you just don't get a clean print so mm. i think screen you know a well-tensioned screen is is super important yeah it's a really good point and hadn't mm. thought of that i mean we know that from what we do but that sort of difficulty of learning to actually do the physical printing um, if you've got a bad screen or a loose screen, it's a disaster. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't exactly struggle with that, but I guess you know, printing, doing a lot of manual printing over the years, and you know, pull the squeegee and then you sort of wait for the the screen to lift off the substrate for a little bit, and it, yeah. you don't get that when you've got a, a well tensioned screen. So yeah, it's that waiting, and and you know, can obviously cause issues where the ink doesn't transfer properly. So yeah, it, it lifts, took me lifts so long to work out. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I I didn't learn I didn't learn anything really from my boss. You know, when when I started loading shirts on that automatic the first day or whatever, um, the guy I was working with it was a few years older than me. He he sort of showed me how to run the machine, and you know, well, this is how you print manually. Um, whether as you know, my boss probably showed me a little bit of that, but the screens we had weren't weren't um super high tension that they were pr probably pretty good but my boss will so we had a, um clamps to restretch our own screens and he had oh, wow. steel frames made you know by some guy he knew which were you know they're not the right steel the frames right. <laughs> yeah yep. they must have been heavy yeah they were pretty heavy i mean the, the manual press held them up no problem it was a good good yeah solid um carousel <laughs> but you know my boss is a bit um cheap like that i guess and and yeah, made these steel frame screens, which I didn't have a problem at all. Oh, great, whatever, it, it works. But um, yeah, uh, I, I didn't learn didn't learn anything really from my boss. I, I, I learned what I learned, and that's not, I still don't know so much about um, separating, you know, sim process jobs or four color process. I've never done the separation. Um, I've outsourced that printing yeah. film, but I've, I outsourced the separation of it. Um, yeah. You know, I've done very little water-based printing, um, not a lot of discharge printing. 
um, I was actually using 43T screens um, for bases and top colors until only a few years ago um, yep. because they were mostly the screens that I bought used and it's what what I was using to print rash vests because it needed to be a reasonably thick ink deposit, thicker than a T-shirt anyway, to be able to stretch and not crack. Um, so it's only in recent years I'm using sometimes a 55 or a 60, or 61, whatever you call them, 54, mm. as a base and then maybe a 77 for a top. Um, yeah. As everybody kind of knows, you don't use the same mesh type for a base and a top colour you can get the moiré pattern. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, I was using 43s for 15, 16, 17 years for a base and a top color, which can lead to issues in curing because you've got too thick a deposit. Um, also, you know, occasionally get a moire effect with the, the two 43 screens. But uh, I never learned, you know, any other way. My, bo my boss never taught me anything. And I guess I wasn't really interested in researching it online and, and learning any any more about that um but yeah in the, in the late 90s you couldn't research it you know what i mean like there's just no information yeah, that's right you, know, yeah. you might get a book from you know one of these famous books that are still around somewhere you know mm. learn how to screen print or whatever but yeah you couldn't really research very easily yeah and, and I, I guess in the early 2000s um you know i wasn't using a computer either so yeah, you know, I couldn't, couldn't research online then. Um, but yeah, again, I, I never had a, a real thirst to learn more. Anyway, I was I was happy to be employed. I was, um, you know, not not a slacker. I was never trying to pull a sickie. I was always showing up and, mm. and you know, happy to to do a good job. Um, but uh, yeah, I wasn't really thirsty for more knowledge about it. Um, but yeah, since learning about um, a well tensioned screen. Just recently, like I thought, you're an idiot. Why did it take you so long to to work that out? Like I've probably read people talk about it before, but I guess not not making great money and never wanting to, oh, you know, 60 bucks for a brand new screen. Like who can afford to buy 10 or 20 of those? Not me. <laughs> it would have been a great investment to do that. Um, to, to, to just make the job a little bit easier where the screen's sort of sticking a bit and you're waiting before you lift it up. And you've anyway. got to have good people to, you know, like you've got to have people, you know, can trust to really do good screens. We uh, fell into mm. a really massive hole recently where we had um, upgraded our screen size um, to what is it? 590 by 790 or something like that. It's a pretty big screen. Yeah. And we bought yeah. some secondhand ones from a company that do screen that will remain nameless. We're very fond of them. Yep. Um, and they remeshed them for us. And we got, you know, 77s and 90s and 43s. Yeah. I think we got 60. And they came mm. in at 24 newtons, you know. Yeah. Good to go. Mm. And after one cycle of those screens, they dropped to seven. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and the problem is, you, you know, you don't measure the newton of every screen every day, right? Like you something in general. You might think, oh, this is a bit loose. Let's just check it. Mm. So we, we're kind of like, what's going on? You know, running them on the auto, getting smudges, cleaning the screens, mm. you know, thinking, well, too much pressure. Is the angle wrong? You know, just, and then I said, maybe it's the tension, you know, these are effectively new, you know, just yeah. normal aluminium um, frames with, with new mesh. And we started tick, ticking them off. My goodness, this mm. is seven, this is nine, this is 12. This is no mm. good at all. And they're going to remesh them for us. 
but yeah. um it's a disaster if you, you haven't got it right yeah um, yeah exactly yeah I, I, I don't have a, a is it a newton meter yeah I've, yeah i've never 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 had one so I've, I've, yeah you, know, you can just tell obviously when there's a really lousy tension you can straight away yeah yeah but because these were new like we've got one and we hardly ever use it but yeah now we're using it on all these yeah streets, yeah all the know. time and what's really hard about that is that mm. you know a couple of those is, um we use on sim process jobs running on 90ts and we keep the screens for the customer yeah so now we you know we can't we've got to get them redone we've got to re yeah yeah get the new mesh back in and, and reburn it and start again yeah. which is super frustrating um, sure look um just to kind of move to a bit of a close i mean you might have mm. some questions for me and there's no, no reason that you would um but tips and traps um screen printing tips that you've learned through the years 20 plus years 24th year i think you're in now and mm. traps to to try and stay out of for maybe newbies that are coming in mm. got any um, ideas <sighs> Not really. <laughs> okay. uh, well, I mean, it, it's not it's not any real secret, I guess. But um, yeah, obviously, a well tensioned screen's important. Um, good sharp, a good sharp squeegee is important. That's that's a stiff rubber. You know, soft squeegees are not going to help you at all. <laughs> Most people know that have been printing for a while. Um, they're handy tips, I think. You know that the screen tension isn't isn't um, the most important thing, but a good stiff rubber, um, squeegee rubber, and a nice sharp, you know, preferably a new squeegee rubber mm. blade mm. Um, is going to help a lot. Um, uh, what other tips? I mean, off the top of my head, um, I can't really think of anything else to be honest. And maybe I'm not the best person to ask anyway, as I'm not not you really on an auto. It's it's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Start with the manual. Yeah. 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 I've I've certainly done things a little differently to it's brilliant. Just, yeah. It's yeah it's... Not not by not by choice. It's just how how it was. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's you know a good squeegee's super important. You know, get get some quality quality gear to begin with or you you know you just going to add headaches to the yeah. learning process don't go making everything from bunnings yourself that's right yeah um how can people get in contact with you like what if, if you want like you know i know you've got your regular customers but mm. where do they go online if they want to connect with you um yeah well you know we have a very basic sort of landing page tshack.com.au it's T -E -S -H -A -C -K tshack.geelong um, is our Insta page that doesn't doesn't really do anything now. But, you know, they they you can find me through through there. Obviously, if if one wishes to do so. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm 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 not desperate for for customers, so I'm, I'm not phased. And I why someone would choose to choose to um, contact me. I wouldn't know, you know, they should be contacting you. You're, you you've got the good setup there and, and great prices and uh, you know what you're doing. Um, even though I've been in this industry quite a bit longer than you. Yeah, you know, heaps longer than me. So. Yeah. But um, 
yeah, that's uh, that's that's how they can find me. Um, yep, that's cool. Any questions for me? Um, Not necessary to have questions, but you're looking for a new employee. <laughs> <laughs> we got a few. <laughs> Yeah, um, no, that's, that's, I'm not. I'm not serious. Any questions? No. Um, Certainly, might be some outsourcing things, as you know. Uh, that yeah, well, if the need comes up, Sam, I'm, I'm certainly happy to help like that yeah. um, for sure. Yeah, that's good. Um, so, yeah, uh, questions for you. Um, well, no, not nothing of any real interest, I guess. Um, uh questions no you know you don't have to it's much easier if you don't for me <laughs> so. yeah yeah no I, I don't i don't really have any it's, you know conversation we could have at another time i guess just about things you know you mentioned the director garment you know or do you think you're going to get a director garment i'd advise against it you know, if, if you're busy then um then yeah they are you need the work there to to make it for it to make you money um yeah we've got it's interesting um We've got a brand site called Aussie Merch Shop where we float some of our own brands and some customer stuff. And yeah. we, you know, customers are sort of beginning to suss that out. So mm -hmm. new new clothing brand companies, for example, um, who don't want to set up their own e-commerce and, you know, they're happy to do their Facebook page and come up with their designs. And I yeah. always try and, you know, talk them into plastisol heat transfers because if they're if their print design isn't too complex, you know, it saves them heaps of money. Yeah. And then they try and buy blanks from you, which obviously we don't do. Mm. Um, but then, you you know, they'll come up with something that's got 100 colours in it mm. and expect us to put it on one of our sites and sell it. And I'm sort of looking at, at that a little bit more, which is what DTG would be good for, for the fulfilment side. Yeah. But I still feel that um, it's just a massive distraction you know, like just the other day, we were kicking out 500, and I think the guy said 560 garments an hour. Yeah, well, yep. you know, and it's on That's an auto and, yeah. and, you know, a couple of three minutes for a T-shirt on a DTG. And I just don't think it's financially viable. Like it's back to the comment you made earlier. And, yeah. Um, but we're getting asked more and more. And I feel tempted. I mean, we do bag and, you know, tag and obviously do labels. Um, and that's a little bit labor intensive, although we've got quite good yeah. ways of doing that now. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think we will ever go DTG, but it's always sort of gnawing at the back of uh, one's mind. Yeah. Um, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, with, without having done a heap of research on director film, I think that's probably a better, a better option for, for anyone that might be considering the two. Um, yeah, I, th you know, potentially there's there's less upkeep of, of a director film machine, um, and probably a cheaper outlay to begin with to buy the machine, and, may and maybe quicker. You know, yeah, Once that's it's right. Printed out, heat press it. Yep. Um, you know, but I haven't explored that either. Be interested to look at that. Yeah. So Tyler Fort, tshack.com.au, mate. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's um, been a pleasure. Thanks for, for help, the invite. Yeah, for helping us kick it off. You know, I mean, that's really yeah. kind of you. Um, I have this just a lasting comment. I have this vision now in my head of the T-shirt pro who, you know, who started at literally the deep end. Looks like it sounded like you really took that on just phlegmatically, easily, and you know, yeah. not phased by it. 
and you've worked out the market, the clients that you need, and you've mm. worked out how to downsize. And I have this image of you getting up somewhat later than me and uh, jumping on your, your, your mower and doing a bit of mowing, <laughs> feeding the chooks yeah. at some point. Yeah. Well, and then doing just, a bit of printing in the Arvo. It just sounds fantastic, mate. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm still in the process of, of of getting completely the house all set up. We're mostly there now. But I was tinkering out, out the back on the deck yesterday with a drill, you know. Um, and I saw what I thought was was a dog sort of trot on past me. And I looked up and thought, what was that? And then there was a, 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 a second kangaroo yeah. bounced past me. And I went, what is going yeah. on here? Yeah. Yeah. two kangaroos in my yard yeah <laughs> here there was some just down the street a little bit there's a new estate and and i've seen a few roos in there I'm thinking, wow there's kangaroos here that's cool but yeah. um yeah it yeah. blew me away to see you know to to come up here and have and have so much wildlife you know the birds yeah. and kookaburras here and and uh and and there's other you know things like that you know you get the rosellas and things like that um yeah, and, and i you know my wife and i really enjoy that um and uh again it's just you know everybody's on the, on their own journey and everybody has their own needs and and desires yeah. for things um being without children um has has allowed me to to end up where i am here now and uh still busy with work um mm. which is important because we all need to to make an income but um yeah I'm, I'm i'm fairly pleased with with where we are now and um and having sort of come to full circle as much as uh an automatic is is a real joy to use mm -hmm. um just for the ease and getting the job out super quick um and you know not being as labor intensive um you do you do need the quantity there to facilitate paying for the space to have it and then yeah. you know, all the all the other things that come with that so yeah. um i'm happy with with the this new um manual uh, you know, i purchased uh, a bit over a year ago with micro registration the first yeah. machine i've ever had with micros and that makes a big difference oh, yeah. um so yeah it's um it's uh it's good it's good to be i'm i'm, I'm happy here um and hopefully uh, I remain busy. Otherwise, um, I'm going to come knocking on your door, Sam. Yeah, I expect you to be here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, take care, mate. Thanks so much again for coming on and have a splendid rest of the day. No problem. Thanks heaps, Sam. I appreciate um, being the first on the show. Yeah. Good on you, mate. All right. Cool. We'll catch you later. See you, Sam. Bye. Ciao. Screen, screen printing. printing.